Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Happy New Year. This time of year always makes me feel just so refreshed and excited about things to come. I am a goal setter, so I love to use this time of year to make resolutions and define some things I want to accomplish. So I make goals for both my personal life as well as my quilting life. Uh, In the past, I've made goals um, such as techniques or skills I've wanted to learn or Um, UFOs I wanted to finish, but the past few years, I've used this time of year to identify quilts that have been on my must-make list and to prioritize them. I just figure that there's no time like the present to start a quilt I've been dying to make, so this year, I chose a few I want to concentrate on. So one quilt that was a holdover from my list last year was a pineapple quilt. So I start started saving my scraps to make one last year, and I think I've finally saved enough to start on the project. So I'm thinking a super colorful and scrappy rainbow pineapple quilt will be so fun. Another project I'm prioritizing is a Lone Star quilt. I'm just mesmerized by them and have always wanted to make one, even if it's just a smaller wall size quilt. I'm a little nervous about the diamonds, um, but I just, I know I can do it. (laughs) I've also always wanted to make a double wedding ring quilt. I've been trying to use templates more and more in my quilting and think I've had enough practice now to feel confident tackling this quilt. And lastly, I love the modern handcraft snowflake pattern and think it would be so fun to do in scrappy blues and white prints. I know that's a lot of big and complicated projects, and there's no way I will probably accomplish them all in 2023, uh, but I think I can at least get a start on them and just see where they take me. I'm very excited to tackle some of these quilter favorite patterns and put my own spin on them. So now I'm passing the mic over to my coworkers to hear their quilty goals for the year. Let's hear what they have to say. This is Doris, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting. Each year I give myself the goal of finishing up some UFOs, but of course each year I add a UFO or two to the stack by starting new projects, because don't we all? I started one earlier this year, intended for my mother, with fabric she purchased herself when she was still able to sew. Unfortunately, she's had to give up her sewing hobbies due to health issues, so I'm doing my best to finish up some projects for her that came from her stash. My other goal this year is to practice on a long arm to be able to quilt some of my own quilts. I've always wanted to be able to do beautiful free motion on my domestic machine or on a long arm, but I lack the patience to let myself improve through practice. This year, I'm going to give myself some grace, tell myself it does not have to be perfect, and dedicate time to practicing those quilting skills. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. The week between Christmas and New Year's is one of my favorite times of the year. I love to spend cozy days at home after the holidays, reflecting on the past year and looking ahead to the new one. I don't really make New Year's resolutions but I do enjoy brainstorming ways to make the upcoming year better than the last, whether that is by setting some personal goals or discovering ways to do more of what I love in my free time, which definitely includes quilting. So this brings me to my first goal for 2023. I simply want to carve out more time to quilt and be creative. And although I think about quilting every day in my professional life, 
I have found it increasingly hard to prioritize quilting for myself just for the pure pleasure of it. I love to quilt with others, so I'd like to plan a couple of quilting and craft days with friends and family throughout the year. This way, I will have dedicated time set aside to quilt. I'd also like to find a couple of handwork projects that I can easily work on in the evenings instead of turning to Netflix or just scrolling on my phone. I'm hoping that by being a bit more intentional with how I spend my time in 2023, I can improve not just my sewing skills, but also bring more joy, relaxation, and creativity to my life. The second big quilting goal for the year is to finish a few long-standing UFOs. Like so many quilters, I seem to always have a few quilt tops lying around just waiting to be finished. One of my main stumbling blocks to finishing a quilt is just not feeling motivated to finish simply because I don't know who I'm making it for. I want the quilts I make to be used and loved, not just sitting unfinished in a drawer. So my goal this year is to take a look at all of my finished quilt tops and then come up with a plan and decide who I want to give them to. I'm going to begin by sitting down with my calendar to review upcoming events and occasions that I already know about in the new year, such as birthdays, baby showers, and weddings. I'm hoping this will help me prioritize which quilts to finish first. I'm excited to come up with a plan that includes not only finishing the quilts, but also who will receive them and when. Along the lines of finishing quilts, I'd also like to be better at labeling my quilts. I've never been good at remembering to add labels, but I know that I always appreciate it when others do. I'd like to look at having some custom labels printed, or maybe I'll even design something for myself. Adding a label to a quilt is such a simple but meaningful finish, and it's something that I would like to prioritize in 2023. Hi, Beth here to share my quilting goal for 2023. My first goal is to clean out my sewing space and especially my fabric stash. I have a skirted cutting table that I've just been piling fabric under all year long. Anytime I open a bundle of fabric or finish a project, I've been just tossing the leftover fabric into a large canvas bin. It's gotten a little out of control. Basically anything larger like cutting mats and irons end up under that table too, since I don't have a lot of space for larger items in my room. It's just stuff piled on top of stuff under the cutting table. And there may have even been a fabric avalanche when I was trying to access something stored there recently. So my first goal is to clear everything out, sort and put everything where it should actually be stored. Then I want to go through my fabric again because I'm at max capacity in my fabric storage drawers right now. I cleaned it out relatively recently, but I've been stocking up on some low volume and basics, so now it's totally jam-packed again. It's kind of nice having a limited amount of storage for fabric because it forces me to clean it out often. But on the other hand, it gets full really quick and a lot quicker than I can empty it by making quilts. So it's a recipe for an overstuffed mess and makes it hard to look through what I have since everything is packed in so tightly. The other thing I want to accomplish in the new year is finishing more quilts. I love making quilt tops, but my quilts often end up in that unfinished limbo longer than I'd like. So in 2023, I'll be prioritizing getting some finished on my domestic machine with simple stitching and some will make it to the office long arm for more detailed quilting. And I might have to send a couple out for long arm quilting just to deplete the backlog a bit. I've been trying to get backings and bindings prepped at the same time as finishing my top, so there's no excuse not to get them done. Prepping backing is one of my least favorite parts of quilting, so that's part of the issue with getting them finished. I think part of it is not having a space to spread those large pieces of fabric out to work with. I usually end up on the floor and my backing fabric gets covered in cat hair. I have been trying to get wide backing whenever possible so I don't have to piece backings as much, and that's so much easier. But there really is something motivating about seeing that nice, neat pile ready to go with the top, batting, backing, and binding all prepped. Plus, it takes up a lot more storage space once you have a package of batting, so I want to get that space in my room back by getting the quilting done. 
I also realized on a recent retreat that it's so much easier to baste a quilt on a large table. I was usually trying to baste on my hard floor, which was not easy or comfortable. I have one folding table already, so I'm thinking I should invest in a second one to create a temporary basting table when I need to. And it also would work great for prepping those backings as well. And if you haven't tried the pool noodle basting trick, I highly recommend it. You can find a super helpful video on the All People Quilt website, Instagram, or YouTube channel. The pool noodles plus the big tables at the retreat center made it so much easier to baste the quilt I was working on. I think organizing and finding ways to make those not so fun parts as easy as possible will make my 2023 quilting so much more enjoyable. Hi, I'm Allison. I have a couple of goals for 2023. Finish UFOs and get rid of finished quilts. Now, those goals seem contradictory, but I promise you they'll make sense. I have several quilts that I've made over the past year that need to get quilted. I've dragged my feet for one reason or another, and they simply haven't been on the top of my priority list. Now that the holiday season is over, I can focus on either hiring a quilter to finish my projects or quilt them myself on my home machine. I also have unfinished projects that haven't been worked on in a while because I got bored by them or needed a break. It's been long enough since I've worked on them that I'm ready to dive back in. They're mostly handwork projects that are a slower process and I have to be in the right mindset to work on them. I have to remember that the finished results will come slowly rather than the instant gratification of sewing with the machine. As for finished quilts, I have a large stack that I absolutely love and would never get rid of. However, I have a smaller pile of items that no longer appeal to me or were store samples from my time working at a quilt shop. I'd love to find new homes for these items, whether I donate, sell, or give them as gifts. One of my neighbors, who I only know because we wave at each other in the driveway, had their first baby earlier this year. I gave them a quilt from the pile of items I was looking to get rid of because I figured it'd make more sense to be used and loved rather than take up space in my home. I've always had this idea that I wanted or should give quilts to people that I know, but after gifting that baby quilt to essentially a stranger, I realized that it doesn't matter if we're acquainted or not. If it was given with good intentions and the recipient appreciated it, that's all that really matters. No matter how I end up getting rid of these items, I hope that they'll be well-loved in their new homes rather than neglected and forgotten in mine. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just wanted to thank my coworkers for sharing. I'm always so inspired to hear what other people's goals are. So if you have your own goals you'd like to share with me, send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com so I can cheer you on. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we get back, we're chatting with Kathy Haberman from Hands-On Design. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I'm passing the mic to my coworker Elizabeth for her chat with Kathy Haberman of Hands-On Design. Kathy has been stitching her whole life and has had a needlework business for over 20 years. She recently had a cross-stitch project in both Quilts and More and American Patchwork and Quilting magazines, and we can't wait to hear more about her design process. Enjoy. Well, hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Good morning. Good so morning. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to have you here today. I'm excited as well. Great. So let's just jump right in. I'd love to start with just knowing a little bit more about your history 
how maybe your passion and your interest in cross-stitch and needlework first began. Oh, goodness. Um, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> as far back um, as you want to go. I, um, okay. Well, I guess this is my story, and I always tell people, and I'm sticking to it. Um, I actually started cross-stitch, um, cross-stitching when I was about nine years old, um, pretty much self-taught from the very beginning. Um, I And my first project was a really large sampler. I was, okay, my... I have two older sisters, my oldest sister, we all sewed at one point and um, my sister had gone to a fabric store and she took me with her, you know, the little kid sister, mom probably wanted to get us out of the house or something. <laughs> and um, I was wandering around. She was over there picking out fabrics and patterns at the, at the fabric store. And, um, and I was in the craft section and I always have just been drawn to, you know, color and shiny things and detail. And there were the pretty flosses and all that kind of good stuff. And, um, and I just kind of found this one sampler and I didn't buy it that day because nine-year-old, I'm not really walking around with cash. So, <laughs> um, but I went back home and I got permission, um, from my mom and, uh, and, and there's always a, well, I can tell this part later, but, uh, I, I'm considered, um, you know, in my business to be like a finisher, I finish objects. And so I like to tell the story how, um, I think I can, of course, blame this all on my mom. Don't we all blame things on our moms? Um, but she gave me, when she gave me permission to, to buy this original sampler and teach myself how to do it, she said, if you start this, you have to finish this. Mm -hmm. And so um, I say that was pretty much kind of where it began. And um, uh, I just, I fell in love with color. I fell in love with the, the detail. And I was always kind of that kid that, you know, draw, uh, did a lot of drawing or doodling. So I just think it just sort of progressed from there. Yeah. Do you still have that very first sampler you made? It actually hangs in my mother's house. Um, oh. I told her, I said, someday I want that back. Yeah, I <laughs> when I go that. visit them, um, I, it, it actually hangs in the bedroom that I stay in when I go visit them. So, um, so it's still hanging. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see that like progression, right? You know, like that's where it all exactly. began. <laughs> yeah. awesome. So how did you evolve from this, you know, passion you had as a child? Did you carry it on through like young adulthood? And like, how did it become this business for you? Um, well, I think, I mean, I, it probably took me a couple of years to finish that first piece. So, um, so that sort of occupied most of my time uh, when I was much younger. Um, but I think from there, you know, I, I used to sew my own clothing. My grandmother taught me uh, some good basic sewing skills when I was in, you know, middle school. And so doing that kind of thing, and then that sort of evolved into some basic quilting that kind of carried me through, you know, my high school years. And when I was in college, um, I had a lot of friends. I know it sounds odd to say, but we all cross-stitched, not big things. We're talking like little things, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe to give us a gift or something like that. Um, and, and then, um, when I got out of college, I don't, it just seemed to always be there. It was just always kind of something that I would do just if I had time. Um, I was one of those kind of kids who like, I just was, I liked, I liked making things. And, um, a lot of times I, if, you know, if I didn't have money for gifts, I would figure out, well, what can I make? Um, what can I do with the scraps of cloth? It's left over from the blouse that I made or the pants that I made. I was always that kid who was kind of hoarding the scraps, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and um, and I just think I remember some of the early years when um, I was first married. You know, I didn't have a lot of money for gifts and things like that. So I just thought, well, I'm just I'm going to make them an ornament. And it didn't even dawn on me that I was designing something. I was just mm -hmm. using a lot of what I had on hand. And um, and it's actually only been in the last couple of years where, you know, I look at things and I go, Hey, actually I was designing. I just didn't know it, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I, I had a lot of other jobs prior to, you know, being in the needlework industry. I've done advertising, I've done marketing, uh, graphic design work. Um, uh, even the finance industry, I had some, you know, short stint there. <laughs> um, but I really found that I, I always kind of had those side projects and I just really liked working for myself. And um, when we moved, uh, we were in a, 
a larger city on the East Coast um, when my first was my oldest was born and we moved to Iowa. And I was a stay at home mom for a while. And I just I knew that there was just something that I wanted to do, but I didn't necessarily want to go be in an office. And, um, and just kind of with some helpful suggestions from friends, because we had no needle workshop in town. Um, you know, they suggested maybe I look into doing something like this. And that's kind of really where I got the initial push to do this. Wow, that's a great story. And then since then, you've evolved into making your own patterns. And, you know, you teach a lot of classes, yeah. and workshops, too. It's just really grown. Yes. Yes. And well, so when I had the, the shop initially, um, well, believe it or not, it actually started off in the, the lower level of my home. Um, oh, wow. We were there for about three years. And I just, I couldn't find a location that, well, I could afford basically, and that I wanted to, you know, I felt was, you know, visible and all the things you look for in a commercial space. And when I found that, um, I also knew a way to, you know, interest people with um, stitchers and potential stitchers into coming into the shop was having retreats and having classes and things like that. So um, designing on a more serious level is probably where that started. Um, just because I knew that if I designed something myself and like, say you had extra students come to class, you know, I could quickly just make my own copy. It was my design kind of thing, you know, and, um, and it, it helped me. Um, it will just made the whole situation easier. And plus it was a good way for me to say, if I got some new product in the store, some new colors, some new threads, you know, design something for those. Um, and I really just kind of felt like um, after a while, hey, this designing is kind of fun, <laughs> you know, and I think I could do this on a more serious level. Um, so when we, we closed, I also did all the finishing work for the shop, the framing. And um, I like uh, we did some framing, but um, I did a lot of the, the sewing objects or the, the soft finishes, that kind of thing, pillows. Mm -hmm. um, stockings ornaments that type of thing and um and i really found and i was actually i had customers all over the country that i was finishing for and i actually finished for several needle workshops as well and um at the shop kind of was i always tell people it's like it was like having a third fourth and fifth child <laughs> um and my kids hit middle school and i just said you know this I, this is a lot and i don't want to miss some of these years with my kids mm -hmm. and so we closed the shop and I continued to do finishing work. So hands-on design, or excuse me, hands-on needle shop kind of morphed into hands-on finishing. And I did that for about a year full-time. Um, and what I found is that I really missed um, being with stitchers, being, you know, working from home can be an isolating experience. And back in those days, we didn't really have a lot of the Zoom kind of thing hadn't really um, come to the forefront yet. And so that's kind of when I decided, hey, I could get back into doing some teaching um, and doing the design work, but I could also do the, the finishing as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so hands-on finishing, actually I took a little detour. I had another design company for a few years. Um, and that's, I think, kind of where I, I learned a lot about how to run a design company. And, um, and by the time that company ended, um, I was ready to kind of keep going um, under hands-on sign. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's, we call it sort of the trilogy of hands-on. <laughs> we went <laughs> from the needle shop to the finishing and to the design. And it, it actually gives me a really unique perspective sometimes on design when I wholesale to shops and things like that. I kind of know um, how they have to order fabric in and threads in and that kind of thing. So I sometimes... I'm more a little more thoughtful maybe in that regard when mm -hmm. I when I say like design a series or something like that. Yeah, you kind of have done it all and all of those past jobs and experiences I'm sure have all helped you in your current place right they now. Have. And then helping they others have. too, yes. like knowing how to yeah. finish projects is such a big part of it too. Cause I think we're a lot it, of us it, in the creative industry are starters, but we're not necessarily all finishers. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I even laughed too, because somebody made the comment to me, they said, you know, how we're all kind of going towards open concept housing now, what you don't realize is that an open concept means you have less walls. Mm -hmm. So for less walls, you have less 
places to display your things. So, um, so that kind of takes like, you know, if you're going to get, get this beautiful custom framed piece, you know, where are you going to hang it kind of thing. Um, But I've noticed a real trend and I guess it's kind of my sewing background, clothing construction and that type of thing that um, I really kind of, started doing a lot more seasonal finishes where they're little pillows or they're small stand-ups or they're um, boxes or something like that. So you can switch them out seasonally. So it kind of, it, it kills several birds with one stone kind of thing. Um, you know, you've, you've got something to decorate with. Uh, you've got something that, you know, you can ch- switch out easily and, um, and, and it's pretty and you, you kind of enjoy the process, but yes, that finishing really has become kind of the, I guess maybe the thing that I'm known for, um, I, when I travel to teach, um, I do usually anywhere from four to five, uh, sometimes last year was pretty busy. So, um, I travel to teach different retreats and shops and I'll teach finishing. So we send out pre-stitching and the idea is that when you come to class, I walk you through the steps Mm -hmm. of finishing that item. And then you go home with a finished piece because well, as you said, we all have those stacks right. <laughs> of unfinished items. <laughs> yeah, that's really unique because I feel like a lot of times you do go to classes or workshops and you start at the very beginning and then you walk away and you have to finish it on your own, on your own time. So how right. unique that you can come to your class with homework well, ahead of time, but then you leave with something right. finished. It's beautiful. Right. And well, I try and I- to, you know, I, I realize like, you know, it might be a little bit, some people might get a little, feel a little pressure from getting all the stitching done prior. So I always make sure that there are some components in class that they can do, even if their homework, I I love calling it homework. (laughs) Um, Even if their homework isn't completed, there's still an aspect of it. Um, I, uh, a lot of times I'll start a class by saying, by the end of this class, you'll realize why my company is called hands-on because you're going to get your, you're going to get a lot of hands-on experience and you're getting your hands-on really just, you know, getting over those fears of cutting your linen, cutting your fabric, um, assembly, lacing, all the different aspects. Yeah. Well, and you had mentioned too earlier about how, um, you know, about wall space. And I think a lot of times I, when I first think about cross stitch or samplers, I think of, oh, I finished this project. I need to frame it and put it on the wall. But so many of your projects, you know, you really break outside of that, that box or that frame, if you will. Um, and yes. you are making so many interesting things that I would never even think to add needlework or cross stitch to. Um, like I, you just had a pin cushion in quilts and more winter issue. And I think yes. you call it like a, a mattress style pin cushion because it had really um, tall yes. sides to it. And like that way you could like carry the motif all the way around the edges. It was so unique. Are there other? Thank you. I really like that piece. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Are there other types of um, projects that you like to uh, do a lot of cross stitch on and create things? Cause they're like, they're not only beautiful to look at, but they're also oftentimes functional, right? Right. Um, I, I, I always kind of say, you know, I want them to be fun and functional. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so the mattress finish, like that pin cushion that is in the magazine, um, that's probably one of my favorite finishes. I love designing for it. I love, and I think that's the part of me that loves, you know, that goes back to that being it when I was a kid that I love putting puzzles together. Um, a lot of times I'll look at something and say, well, that's a really neat concept. How can I do that in cross stitch? And more importantly, how can I do that in finishing? Mm-hmm. Um, so people ask me all the time, you know, where do you get your ideas? And, you know, I, I hate to always give the boring answer. Well, I get them everywhere. Well, <laughs> sometimes I like if I'm someplace and I'll see a cute box or, and that's really where the mattress finish came about was I saw this really pretty gift wrapped box and it just, it had houses on the edge of it and it was hand drawn. And I just, that's such a, that's so pretty, but how can I do that in cross stitch? And I always like to throw it in there that it should be functional as well. So um, I made them into a pincushion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I actually do use mine as pin cushions. Yeah, I get that a lot, yeah. <laughs> but I actually do use them. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite finishes. Um, and that's kind of, again, where I think I've 
when when I design when I design things, and of course we have to do the photography for the cover and, and this and that. Um, I always think, gosh, Kathy, would you ever just design something that you can frame and be flat and be simple? And I'm like, okay, next time. And then next time I end up doing some crazy finish that is hard to photograph again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, um, but even with framed finishes, I love mixing the different mediums. I'll take a, a simple, like a ready-made frame and maybe it's a little larger than the piece. So I'll make a fabric border or mm. I'll stretch fabric on, you know, say foam core and then mount the needlework on top of that. You know, once it's laced, um, yeah. and maybe add touches of you know ribbon or trims or things like that. I, I really tend to like doing you know very mixed media finishes. Mm-hmm. When you're coming up with new ideas, do you you said you kind of find inspiration everywhere? Do you find it easier to start with the the project or the end result that you want to end up with, or do you start with like, oh, I really want to make this you know cross stitch motif, or does it kind of go back and forth? It really goes back and forth. Um, a lot of my designs do have words in them. Um, so sayings and words are a big, strong factor for me as well. It's kind of funny, though, that two pieces I've done for the magazine are some of the very few that have no words in them. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a fun change. So I always say my inspiration really comes from three different places. It's words, it's a color palette, and it's a finish. Mm-hmm. And it really just depends on the project, which is the leading um, indicator for, you know, where the design is going. Um, I know I'm really, really, really going to be very pleased when all three kind of work together, the design and the color and the finish. Um, But a lot of times, yeah, truth be told, I Mm -hmm. I start with what it's going to look like when it's done. Mm -hmm. Um, and even when I'm stitching the model and sometimes I think, Oh man, I don't know. I have to tell myself, keep stitching, keep stitching. And then when it's all finished, I go, yep, that's exactly what I wanted. (laughs) Um, I noticed that, yeah, you do have a lot of words and typography and a lot of your patterns. And that's kind of like a, there's a strong history of like typography and lettering in needlework. Going back to Mm -hmm. like cross-stitch samplers, I think that was one of my first introductions to cross-stitch was like, my mom had this sampler hanging up in our entryway. I've always been curious, like, what is the history with cross-stitch samplers? And like, they always seem to include an alphabet. Do you happen to know? Right. Um, <laughs> well, I think, um, I think in, in many cases, I mean, that was a young girl's um, education mm-hmm. uh, was, was needlework. And uh, whether that was necessarily how she was learning to read or learning letters, but that was, that was a skill that was taught. And, you know, oftentimes you were kind of basically you know, judged or deemed worthy mm-hmm. <laughs> based on your needlework techniques. Yeah, um, it was you literally know, a little sample I... of your technique. Yeah. Yeah. And your skills. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I think sometimes you'll see, um, you'll see uh, alphabets and they might be in different stitches. Some might be cross mm-hmm. stitches, some might be Algerian eyelets um, because they were not only, you know, practicing the, the letters, but they were also practicing different types of stitches too. So so fascinating. I love that you continue on with all these beautiful words and phrases and being a graphic designer myself, I'm always a sucker for a, a beautiful, you know, cross-stitched word or phrase. So adds yes, a lot yes. to your patterns. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Kathy. Do you see that there's a lot of crossover between stitchers and quilters absolutely (laughs) um i in fact it's funny i've i've had a lot of um i've been a lot of quilters uh reach out to me lately and they'll say um i'm back stitching after so many years and um I, you know, and it's so different now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like sometimes the phrase, you know, it's not your grandma's cross stitch is a little overused. <laughs> uh, we haven't been your grandma's cross stitch for a really long time. <laughs> um, and we didn't really go anywhere, but, uh, but it's just evolved so much. And I think what a lot of stitchers who became quilters who are coming back to cross stitch appreciate, this is the message I get from them is that they like how I incorporate fabrics. Mm -hmm. um in a lot of my finishes so it kind of feeds feeds both their their kind of uh, needs of great creativity um 
And I just think, you know, it makes a lot of your cross-stitching very functional. And, and well, quite frankly, sometimes, you know, from an expense point of view, uh, one thing I do often preach to people is I say, you know, if you've got that large, whether it's a historic sampler or something like that, honor that piece by framing it correctly. But mm-hmm. I did actually a short stint, first job out of college was I managed a custom art and framing store. It's actually where I learned how to lace needlework. Um, and, uh, but honor that piece because you've put a lot of work into it by framing it correctly, getting a good mat, getting a mm-hmm. good frame, getting a good, the good glass, that type of thing. But some of the smaller pieces, um, you know, finish them fun. And if that's incorporating fabrics and trims and all kinds of things like that. Um, and so I, I see that a lot more now. And I think that's why maybe some quilters are coming back to cross stitch a little bit. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're, they're, they're still quilting, but they're having fun with the cross stitch because they can use their fabric. They can use that fabric stash. <laughs> exactly. And like new and interesting ways. And they, like, like you said, a lot of these items are great gifts for people or mm-hmm. decor for their own home. And it just allows exactly. them to expand on their own um, skills. Plus, you know, like quilting isn't always portable and needlework. You right. can really kind of take it anywhere. You have some basic supplies and you can kind of take it anywhere. And it's just, that's kind of a nice change of pace too, to not be tied exactly. to a sewing machine. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and actually that's kind of where I got the idea for the piece that is the the um, petals and plumes um, pin cushion that's in the, the the newest issue that came out with the hexes. Yeah. Because uh, I saw a lot of my friends were starting to do English paper piecing, and that is a little more portable. Yeah. As if you're just doing the you know making the the individual little hexagons, and of course I looked at it and went, I really like that. How can we do that in cross stitch? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen hexagons with cross stitch on them. Like that was so unique. I love that. And it's a really fun project in the magazine. So, well, good. I I'm so glad I got to premiere that there in the magazine. Um, and I've had a lot of good feedback about it. And I'm happy to say that I'm going to be actually continuing with a series of them, so that's that we'll awesome. start introducing at our wholesale market in March. So, oh, pretty great. excited about them. Yeah, it like perfectly mirror like you know combines those two loves and interests of like needlework yes. and quilting together. So I, I can see a lot of people loving that series. Good. Yay. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, speaking about like, you know, the portability of needlework and how you don't need a lot of things to get started. Do you have some like favorite products and notions though, that you can share with our listeners? I do. Um, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're just coming into cross stitch, you're coming back to cross or one of like, to me, the most vital tool is good, a good light. I mean, just start with the very basic. And and unfortunately, it's probably not the least expensive <laughs> item, but it's a good investment because think about it. It's a good investment in your eyes, your, mm-hmm. your vision um, and, and, and something that's portable. And you can get some that like will clip on that will travel with you, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I have a variety of those. Some are you know, rechargeable, but a good light um, to work by. And, um, and the other, okay, this is going to sound kind of, I don't know, silly, but good needles. Um, you know, we, of course, use a tapestry needle, um, find a size that you like. A lot of people ask me, what size should I use for this? I actually use probably the same size needle for all my projects. Okay. It's one I just really like. Um, but don't, much like um, your rotary blade when you when you quilt, um, don't forget to change your needle every once in a while, too. <laughs> um, that is a good tip. <laughs> I have another... It's it's great advice yeah. <laughs> and one I don't always take myself, mm-hmm. but, um, and the, the other little gadget, and it's probably not really, uh, um, I'm actually, I'm actually looking at it right now as I speak to you, I have a little tray. Um, it was gifted to me actually, when I was teaching at a retreat, it's just a little metal tray, kind of like you'd probably find in the, maybe the home decor section of like your craft and hobby store. Um, so it's not even in the needlework section, but I don't, I love it because I don't really have like one stitching spot in my house. I have kind of a spot where I stitch in the morning and I watch the sun come up mm-hmm. and I start the day with a little, little, little few Zen moments of stitching. Yeah. And, um, and that's where I stitch. It's really, it's in my dining room, believe it or not. But in the evening when I'm sitting and stitching, um, I have a, a chair in the living room. And so I like my project to kind of be, able, I, I pick it up by that tray mm. and I carry it with me kind of wherever I go. Now I have project bags and those are of course another great stitching accessory. So when you leave the house, you know, kind of protect your project in a bag, but mm-hmm. the tray is great because it's metal 
and it's really cute and happens to be covered in flamingos. Um, <laughs> but because it's metal, um, you know, we've got the magnetic needle minders mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily, a lot of stitchers put those on their stitching to, you can hold your needle to it, but I actually attach mine to the metal tray and magnetic it sticks. So as I'm walking from place to place, my needle goes on it. My scissor goes on it. My, um, I tend to put my threads that I'm using the palette on a, like a book ring that sticks to it. So as I'm walking around it, nothing falls to the ground. (laughs) So it's kind of convenient. (laughs) Yeah. Just take it around with you. Do you um, stitch using like an embroidery stand? I've seen that like circulating a lot, like, really beautiful ones but I'm like is that really necessary or is it just kind of a bonus <laughs> I think um actually um I don't I don't have one um okay. that's I guess my initial response I don't have one I either stitch with a like a q-snap um or a hoop sometimes I would say the majority of the time is with a q-snap um depending on the linen type I do stitch in hand as well um I recently did have to borrow a tabletop stand um I had some hand surgery on my right hand and I'm a very right-handed person and I was also on a deadline and so I learned to stitch left-handed um but I couldn't hold anything with my right hand so I borrowed one and I will say I found it very convenient Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I'm actually I'm just I'm usually quite happy with my my key snapper or a hoop something like that Um, do you tend to do most of your designing on like linen or eight cloth? Is there, you know, benefits to one or another, or if you're starting out, do you start with eight cloth? I think, you know, there was a time when I, I, I would say, oh no, just let's just dig right into to linen. But, um, I, you know, I think Ada has changed over the years. I, okay. Just to answer first, I typically always design on 32 count. Belfast. That's just kind of my go-to. Um, I just, I, you know, why, why do we like the things we like? I don't know. That's just <laughs> kind of where I go. Um, but, uh, but I don't ever want to discourage somebody from using Ada. Um, Ada's used to be back in the day, you know, you came in two colors. You could have any color you wanted if it was white or cream. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, and, and it was really stiff. But now it's so different. The um, the Adas have changed so much. They're in so many beautiful um, shades, hand dyed shades, um, and they're not that stiff, you know, uh, hard to handle type of fabric anymore. And if it means that um, you're going to enjoy the process better and by stitching on Ada because you can see it better, mm-hmm. by all means, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since I do design on darker colors a lot, uh, I actually have had quite a few stitchers say, um, I always stitch on linen, but for the, the dark, you know, the, the chalk colored linens or designs, I always do Ada. I can just see it better. Thanks. So if someone um, listening hasn't really tried Ada in a while, maybe time to revisit it. Give it another exactly. try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, I kind of wanted to end here with um, talking a little bit about community because I think quilting and stitching can, you know, kind of be a solitary hobby in a lot of ways. And also like working from home can also be solitary sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, But it really, really seems like you've created and surrounded yourself with a strong community of stitchers. Could you share a little bit about how you connect with others through your stitching? Sure, absolutely. Um, I do have uh, platforms on, you know, on Facebook and also Instagram. And I do also have what's called a, a floss tube channel. I, I kind of think, oh, doesn't everybody know about floss tube? Well, maybe not everybody does. I learned um, about it through it's you. Actually, <laughs> yeah, well, good. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, it's through YouTube. Um, I have a channel on YouTube. Um, it's the hands-on designer and, um, there's an entire community of floss tubers. Gosh, I wouldn't even know how many floss tubers there are. There has to be thousands. Um, and we really just, mine's a little different since I do it as a designer, but a lot of stitchers just do it. You know, they show off their stitching, they show off their projects, they show off their workspaces. Um, and I, I think, uh, what's kind of been fun to see is that you've got, you know, somebody who might not design, but they have this following because they've made fun videos and people like to watch them and they'll host stitch alongs. And I'm always thrilled when they pick one of my designs Mm -hmm. and I like to kind of just, you know, go like and comment and and that type of thing. So, but the, so 
a, a stitcher floss tube is like, a, they'll talk about, you'll learn different um, acronyms. Like they'll talk about their haul or their whips or their UFOs or their FFOs. And mm-hmm. there's a whole language. <laughs> <laughs> it really has created a sense of community. And I think that's gotten even stronger, of course, during the pandemic when we mm-hmm. couldn't get together for retreats and whatnot. Um, my floss tubes, um, of course, I typically do them when I have new releases coming out, it's a great way for me to tell the background of a design. Um, there's for me, my designs always have a story and I'm, and, and they do, they just, there's never not some kind of a story. Some are bigger stories than others. You know, some are more personal than others, but I like to give the background and stitchers have repeatedly told me they love hearing that. So, um, and then in the last few years, I've had my husband actually join me on a lot of them. And that actually happened by kind of a fluke because I said, I, he came home from work and I said, honey, I have to shoot this boss tube, but we wanted to eat dinner. And I said, so um, we either eat dinner and I do the floss tube late or we do the floss tube and we eat dinner late and we didn't want either one of those. So I said, why don't you join me? You can stand there and you can be chopping everything for dinner. And that was his first appearance. And um uh, and he pretty much is in a lot of them now. <laughs> and, and people call him Mr. HOD. So he'll go places and they'll be like, oh, it's Mr. HOD. But um, it's, it just, it, you know, it's just a fun way to communicate, give a little glimpse into, um, you know, the background of the designs and the whole process as well. Um, I also do a lot of tutorials. Mm-hmm on my floss tube channel. Um, I've done different formats. I'll just kind of, a lot of times if I'm writing instructions, I'll take pictures as I finish something. Um, and so I'll post the pictures in an order and then I'll kind of do a voiceover. Um, and my son actually helps me with the video, the editing on that one. So it's kind of a family affair sometimes. Um, other times I'll do kind of what I call a classroom setting. Um, I'll have some of the people that work here kind of do a project I'll lead them through the project so it's kind of actually as if you're in class with me mm-hmm. and I don't edit any of that it oopsies and all like when they cut something wrong I'm like okay let's fix this <laughs> um, and some a lot, of, a lot of times people will comment and say I love that you don't edit those out and I'm like okay first of all I don't know how to edit those out <laughs> um, but I but it is actually a good thing so and then just um, with um, uh, on Instagram I I post a lot and just kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I try to be fairly intentional with my postings, not just post to post something, but of course, when there's something new, um, I love going and when people tag me and I love commenting, I love seeing when, um, stitchers maybe switch up a color or do a different finish. I love the moments when I go, why didn't I do that? Um, you know, when they come up with a great idea and I think, okay, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, and I just, I, you know, I mean, at my heart, I'm a stitcher too. So I just, you know, um, just the fact that I have this title that's a designer doesn't make me any less of a stitcher than it does anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, we all love a good behind the scenes and a show and tell. So I love following Absolutely. along. <laughs> Well, let's wrap up here. I like to wrap up interviews with a little bit of what we call a rapid fire question. So okay. Yeah. So I just have a few questions for you. So whatever pops into your head, um, just blurt it out. So um, what's your favorite holiday or season to design for? Okay. Holiday, Thanksgiving, season, fall. Okay. Yep. Gotta love fall, right? (laughs) Wish we were still in it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Number two. So we are just past the holidays. So what is a favorite handmade gift that you've either given or received? Oh, um, okay. Oh, oh boy. Okay. That's okay. First thing pops in my head. Okay. That's what you said. So, yeah. um, I actually had a little Christmas party with some um, stitching friends last night and I made them some little, um, tomato pin cushions out of a vintage and old, um, uh, cross-stitched, um, um, tablecloth that I found. And, um, so I love kind of repurposing and, and doing mm-hmm. something like that. So that was, so since cute. I just, that's my latest project. I'll say that. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Um, okay. So this is kind of specific, but I'd love to know if you have a favorite embroidery stitch. There's so many ones that are out there that are like so wild and crazy, but do you have a favorite one? 
Um, absolutely. Everybody, if you've seen, if you've done any of my times, you know, I love a good Smyrna cross. Okay. Beautiful. And last one, what is something that you are proud of in your creative life? Oh, wow. Okay. That's a hard one. Um, okay. So years ago I started a line, you know, with this, the graphics, uh, you know, and ever the words and things like that. And I started a line called a year in chalk. It was a series. And, um, at the time when I released the series, I knew that, you know, it, it wasn't something that had been done before. And I was asking stitchers to do two things, stitch with white, which they don't like and stitch on dark linen, which they really didn't like. Um, and it kind of started that genre of, of, you know, I mean, yes, I'm sure other people have designed on dark, but you know, it was a popular series. It continues to be a popular series. And I think what makes me happy about that is I happened to be with a distributor one time. Um, I was, she was taking me through the warehouse with all the linens and everything. And I was ooing and aahing over all the chalkboardy type of linen. Um, and she looked at me and she said, you did that. I was like, really? She goes, yeah, without what you started, we wouldn't have these colors. Oh, that was really awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to learn more about you and hear your story. And thank you so much for all of the beautiful projects you design. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I love doing it and I love that everybody is enjoying them. Yeah. Thanks so much to Elizabeth and Kathy for that inspiring chat. We'll link to Kathy's social media and website in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. And that's it for today's show. But before we leave, I wanted to share a quick review of the podcast. This one is from Crisp Quilter. They say, I've been listening to this podcast since early 2022, and I've enjoyed and learned tips from every episode. The host, Lindsay, has created a supportive community of quilters. Her voice is so warm and welcoming. I look forward to Mondays when I can start my week with the show. Thank you so much for this nice review. If it's yours, please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in the show notes so that I can send you a thank you gift. And special thanks to everyone who wrote a review this past month. I wanted to hit 400 reviews by the end of the season, and we've already surpassed that. And it truly means so much to have everyone's support. And we just appreciate every single listener. Also, don't forget to email in your storage tips and ideas for a show later this month. I just can't wait to hear everyone's organizing tips. Everyone have the best week and the best start to your new year.